This episode of this Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey is brought to you by Energy Healer Jean Borders' Personal Powerful Transformation Program. Know you're leaving money on the table, but can't figure out how to bring it in? Need to double your productivity and profitability? Need an extra push to get things moving in the right direction? Visit www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com slash transformation now and apply for a business consultation with Jean. Welcome to the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Prepare to feel a sense of relief and empowerment as we get rid of the baggage you've been carrying that's held up your business success up until now. Be sure to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, lean in, get comfortable, and prepare to take off. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Jean Border, with the Focus Practical Dreamers Journey podcast. I have a very special guest here who I've known for probably five years. It's Dr. Adriana Popescu. We met at an um, a conference for, what is it, the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology. Say that a million times. I just call it ASEP. That's, that's how I think of it. <laughs> um, Adriana, Dr. Adriana, is a licensed psychologist. She is a clinical director at a trauma uh, rehab uh, called Avery Lane in the San Francisco area. She also um, owns a business, is owner and founder of a business called Firebird, which is also a trauma treatment treatment center. She also has a personal practice where she has um, private clients, one-on-one work. She travels the world doing um, trainings for people, um, for large groups, small groups, whatever is appropriate for the topic. She's an author. She's contributed to multiple books. She has recently published her own, which is like cool. Yeah. What if you're not as effed up as you think you are? Yeah. So we have so many things to talk about. Um, But first off, if you're a licensed psychologist, how did we meet at an energy psychology conference? How did you make that shift from from the the traditional psychology world to energy psychology. What's up with that? Um, yes, and thank you so much, Jean, for having me on the show. It's, I'm really happy to be here. Um, I mean, my story really uh, goes from traditional to more holistic because I was on my own journey. Um, it always seems to start first with your own experiences, right? I was um, shortly after college, I had taken a little bit of time off and I was living in Colorado at the time, and I just started becoming sick. Uh, I was becoming increasingly more physically sick, and then I became depressed because I was sick, and the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And um, that began my quest for healing and wholeness, and I wasn't finding uh, the treatments or the healing that I needed from Western medicine They couldn't even tell me for 13 years what it was that I had. And it turned out to be Lyme disease with chronic fatigue syndrome and all these other things that come with having a condition like that. 
so I started looking at alternative therapies. You know, I started with chiropractic and then acupuncture and that just kept evolving. And I ended up going to a very alternative holistic graduate school to become a psychologist called the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. And it was there at ITP when I was a student back in 1999 or 2000 that I saw a flyer for the Energy Psychology Conference, the very second one, I think it was, um, in the year 2000, maybe, in San Diego. And I just knew it was one of those synchronistic experiences where you just know you have to follow through with this. And so I got in my car and I went to this conference and my whole universe just blew open um, with all of these holistic modalities that are many of which are based in, you know, 5,000 years of traditional Chinese medicine or Indian medicine and working with energy and the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And that's what I needed to be able to heal myself from my Lyme disease. Um, and in the process, of course, because it, it was so such powerful work for me as I'm a student in grad school, starting to learn, work with clients, I wanted to be able to bring those techniques into my therapeutic work with folks. So that's how it happened. And now it's been 20 plus years and I've become quite an expert and learned a lot of different modalities. And I just, I'm in the space now where I'm wanting to educate people and get this information out there. You know, I have my own podcast where we explore these topics and you've been a guest on that. Thank Um, you very much. That was fun. Yeah. So energy healing, um, to me, if you want to address any kind of condition, whether it's addiction or a physical health issue or uh, depression, anxiety, trauma, you have to look at it through the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual lenses and address it from all those perspectives. Because the reality is none of it is really separate. The energy is the common thread that runs through all of it. So we can learn what are the energies that are blocking someone and how then can we use these techniques that have been shown, scientifically shown, to be highly effective um, that's how we can help people to change their lives is by changing the energy that's getting in the way of whatever it is they're trying to create. You are a crazy busy woman, (laughs) three different businesses, plus the training and traveling that you do. Plus really another part-time slash full-time job of self-exploration and self-healing. How does that translate all that work you do, how does that help you with your business journey? I mean, oh, that's sure. Yeah, it I does. Mean, um, yeah, sorry. Uh, that, that's okay. Go ahead. The, it absolutely does. Because whatever energy I am being is also getting put into my business, right? Uh, I had a realization a few years ago that um, my business was just sort of, like going in a lull and um, I was, and I wasn't conscious of it. I wasn't catching it. And it was because I had energetically kind of withdrawn from my business. So essentially my business became like a plant that wasn't getting the water and the sunlight and the nutrition it needs. I wasn't feeding it energetically. So it was kind of withering and dying off. Clients were leaving treatment or canceling sessions or whatever. And I couldn't understand at the time, that I was playing a role in the creation of that. I believe at that time I was exhausted. I was kind of burnt out. I was, I've lost interest in some of the things I was doing. Like I needed something to change for me so that my business could continue to thrive. Um, And I think people oftentimes don't recognize the role that whatever space we're in, whatever energy we're in 
is emanating from us and is affecting everything, like our relationships with people, our business, certainly our, our bodies, you know, and our health and well-being. Um, but it's all, again, connected. There's no real separation between things when you look at it from a quantum perspective. So if something's not working in my business, I need to look at what in me is contributing to that. So if I relate that to your book, which is a lot about questioning, right? The questions you ask, the awareness you bring to something. I'm very big on awareness and focus, right? Um, are your beliefs and is your focus killing your business, right? I, I heard that. I thought that was such an interesting question to ask because yeah. so many times what we focus on is what we get, right? So if we focus on being tired and not having the energy to do this and not want, not having, not just, I just don't want to deal with it right now. Well, that comes through not only in one part of our life, but in all parts of our life, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, your point of view creates your reality. This is an expression I got from this modality I work with called access consciousness. So the thing is, people don't recognize oftentimes the points of view, the beliefs, right? The perspectives that they have are not always fully conscious. So um, sometimes, you know, like, for example, a lot of people have like what I call core false beliefs. It's a term I borrow from my good friend and colleague, TJ Woodward, who wrote this book called Conscious Recovery. And in it, he refers to these core beliefs. You know, sometimes you hear them as limiting beliefs, but he calls them fundamentally false because you weren't born with them. You learned them. They came from your life's experiences. You took them on from family, school, the community, social media, wherever. Um, and they're usually, you know, very negative. Like, I'm stupid. I'm not enough. Um, I don't deserve to be happy. I'm unworthy. And so oftentimes you know, people aren't fully conscious that they hold those beliefs. They may be, but regardless, whether you're conscious of it or not, it's still influencing everything that you put out there, everything you create. Because if you believe I'm not enough, by law of attraction, you will attract, and quant again, quantum physics will explain all this. If you get into the level of like quantum entanglements and things, but the minute you put that energy of that belief out there, the universe is going to bring you the people, places, and things that are going to mirror back the truth of that. If you believe that everyone always leaves me because I'm unlovable, then of course you're going to attract and be attracted to people who are emotionally unavailable, who are already in a relationship with someone else, or who whatever it is they're going to do, they're going to end up leaving you. And then you get to say, oh, look, see, I really am unworthy because uh, once again, this happened to me. Like I'm, like I'm a victim of, of circumstance somehow when really it's your own beliefs that are creating that reality. So if something in business isn't working, what is the belief that I have that is creating this to be true? Maybe everything, if you believe everything always goes wrong for me, and then of course in your business, everything is going wrong, then maybe it's time to challenge that belief and start to change the energy around that belief so that you can get a different outcome with your business. And the subconscious is always looking for proof that it's right yeah. right so every time something happens and then it seems to repeat you said oh see see i was right and so the belief grows and grows and grows until it becomes this massive thing that impacts all of everything around you so i think that's really interesting and i work with my clients a lot around beliefs these and sometimes they don't even make sense right they the person is very outgoing very 
successful, but internally, what am I doing? You know, if they knew the real me, well, they do know the real you. They see it all the time. That's what right. they react to. That's what they're drawn to. But there's this conflict between what people see externally and what the soundtrack is going on in the head. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, people put up an image, right? <laughs> like this reality, especially in this, like, you know, social media day and age where everyone's, you know, using a filter and, and it's edited and it's airbrushed and it's, it's not really, it's a false image, right? It's not authentic. Um, and so I think there is often a, a, a cognitive dissonance between like the image we're trying to portray and how we really feel on the, on the inside, on the outside, it looks great. Right. But on the inside, I believe I'm a piece of crap and, and like nothing good will ever happen for me eventually that's going to take its toll and start to sabotage, right? A lot of the things you're trying to put out there in that more imaged kind of way. So when you have clients that you deal with and you, you, you're very intuitive, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to throw it out there. You're very intuitive. Okay. When you realize that it, they've got a negative belief that's holding them back, what kind of techniques can you use with them? Yeah. to give them an opportunity to shift that around and have a, and play a role in that shift. Yes. Um, there are a myriad of techniques, right? Ever being the lifelong student that I am, I've learned a lot of different modalities. And basically, and I do think a key piece is getting to the emotional, like the root of that belief. And like, because oftentimes it came from maybe a traumatic or a negative experience earlier in life, or maybe it's a family belief and it goes back generations you know we've always been this way in our family whatever it may be so I often am looking for the roots um, and I can do that with you know just exploring in conversation like or following that energy so like you know let's say you're having that business challenge right now and it feel and you feel really frustrated like helpless or powerless okay well when in your life have you felt that way before that same feeling of frustration that same powerless feeling and you just see what just pops in their subconscious. Oh, well, there were, you know, when I was a kid, I felt that way all the time, you know, because my parents, um, you know, all the, they were getting divorced and I felt like I had no power in what was happening. You know, sometimes it just organically will come up in a person's memory. And then once we have that sense of that root, um, then we can use specific techniques. Like I'm thinking of NET, neuroemotional technique. We're actually using muscle testing to get the body's information. Um, around like where is the origin of this thing and, and I don't think we always need to know the origin um, but it can be helpful the main point is to just get that the sense of that energy of the frustration and um, and then using something like for example the access consciousness clearing statement or in be set free fast we have a cue that we've instructed the subconscious mind to use to clear that energy or in tapping EFT or TFT um, or any of the other variations of tapping on acupuncture points, we might be, um, again, targeting that energy. And whatever the technique is, it's designed to release that energy or shift it so that it no longer has that same charge to it, that same power to it. And then, therefore, the whole thing, it's like a Jenga. It's like you took out the one piece of the Jenga and the whole thing fell down, Right. Um, so that's kind of, and, and there are just like all these different ways we can uh, figure out what that energy is, where its origin is, if we can, 
And even if we can't, we can still clear the energy, which I think is amazing. And traditional talk therapy just can't do that. Tell me your thoughts on the differences between talk therapy and energetic techniques. Well, I think talk therapy is is more limited. It's it's only looking at sort of the cognitive and the and the thinking and the feeling. It's not looking at the physical, right? So if you're talking about trauma, you're not sort of you're not really acknowledging the fact that during during when someone's re-experiencing trauma, for example, their brain gets hijacked by more primitive parts. Like to be able to think and talk about your experience, you have to be in your prefrontal cortex, right? If you're in a trauma response, in the fight, flight, freeze response, uh, your prefrontal cortex is offline. And your ability to speak, the Broca's area, the part of your brain, the blood flow goes out of that, and that part of your brain goes offline. So oftentimes people get shut down or go to a freeze response where they can't even talk about it. All of this is happening happening somatically. It's happening in the body. The amygdala in the brain is firing this danger, danger. You know, we're under threat. There's lions, tigers, and bears about to attack us. So if you're in that, talk therapy does you no good because you're dealing with an, a physiological. You've got adrenaline and cortisol coursing through the body. You've got blood flow getting redistributed. Um, logic and reason doesn't work at that point. You know, the... Try telling a Vietnam veteran veteran who on the 4th of July is hearing fireworks um, and he's having flashbacks that he's back in Vietnam in a combat zone. Try telling him, hey, it's 2023 and, and we're not in combat anymore. His brain is telling him I'm, I'm right back in it and I'm in a life or death situation. So talking, if anything, is going to re-traumatize that guy. It's certainly not going to help him get out of it. We need a modality or a technique that helps them to stop, get a signal up to that amygdala, like, hey, we're not actually in danger, we're safe, and it's okay to calm down and, and uh, calm this stress response, this trauma response. I talk to a lot of clients who want to know why something happened, and they're so focused on why did that happen back then? And I said, well, yes, you, I, I tell them, yeah, you can figure that out, absolutely. But after you've spent all that time, Revisiting that over and over and over to try to figure out all the ins and outs, what has changed. Correct. And with energy work, that's what we care about is the change, right? And it's so quick to see it happen in so many cases. Now, some of them are long-term issues, right? Because the longer they go on, sometimes the deeper they are. But sometimes it's a very quick switch. You, you flip a switch and they're they, now they can still talk about it, but it doesn't, you know, yeah, it was just the past. It's an amazing when they, thing. When they do research, Gene, on energy psychology, and there is a tremendous amount of research, that's the other people thing people don't know. EP has been around um, for, you know, going on 40 years or more. And there are hundreds at this point of published research studies on it. And when they compare something like EFT tapping, for example, to CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, what they find is that both of them might get similar results, but the EP will be done in about half the time, right? The tapping will get there in half the time that it takes to do cognitive behavioral therapy. So um, that's that's just testament to how quick how quickly we can change things. And as far as the why part of things, I mean, I, I interview a lot of new clients, you know, before I agree to meet with them, we have a consultation. 
And uh, I so often will hear, yes, when I was doing just regular talk therapy, um, I would tell my story and I would talk about it and whatever. And then I would, and I would have an understanding maybe of how, why I, I'm having this issue, but it didn't change the fact that I'm still having the issue. Your cognitive understanding alone is not going to stop your amygdala from firing a trauma response. Your cognitive understanding alone is not going to allow you to release the energy of resentment that you might be holding towards your parents who messed you up and you understand all why you're all messed up, but it doesn't necessarily help you forgive them any more easily. We have to work with the energy of the thoughts and the emotions and the physical sensations. Yeah, the the rapid results that I see so many times, it's just amazing to me. And 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 then you probably say this too, anything can cause anything in my world, you know? So trying to figure out why something happened doesn't mean it will or won't happen again, you know? Because anything... Yes, it might be a habit. You might have created a habitual response now based on the past. But like you said, with the Jenga example, if you start pulling away the proof that that is the, the sorry, the proper way, you know, for your body to respond, things shift subtly or dramatically. Yes, exactly. Right? So on your, <laughs> I'm going to call it an entrepreneurial journey to not only be <laughs> director a clinical director now you've opened a new business in addition to your private business what obstacles did you face that you used energy techniques to help you overcome that's a question well for me and i think this you know this may this is definitely true for a lot of healing practitioners and other therapists the business side of things can sometimes feel daunting or overwhelming um, you know, a lot of us are great clinicians and not so great administrators. Um, and I have capacities as an administrator. I'm actually one of the rare birds that can do both. But le- the steep learning curve of having to form an S corporation and like getting uh, even just getting my DBA because I, you know, in California, I have to form a professional corporation as a psychologist. And then the process of just having a doing business as Firebird Healing, um, hiring employees and learning about workman's cop and payroll and all these things. It was a very steep learning curve. And for me, it was it was frustrating. I would get very frustrated with that whole process. Um, and that would push my buttons into my own history of, oh, God, I have to do this all on my own. And, oh, my belief systems of, oh, it's so hard. And why does it have to be so hard? And a lot. I tend to have a David and Goliath experience with big bureaucracies and governments and people trying to control me. And, you know, so it brings up like all of my own personal stuff that I've done a lot of work on. And um, so then I would use the energy tools, you know, if I was working with myself, maybe I would use like my be set free fast cue or the access consciousness clearing statement, or I would have you know, uh, or I'd work with in a, and then trade with someone and they would run, do some energy work like on my head to help release some of that frustration. Or maybe I worked with someone like you who could, um, help me get to like, where's this belief that it has to be so hard coming from, or whose battles am I fighting? Is this my family? And, you know, my father was a fighter and his grandfather, you know, his father before him, my grandfather, and you could go all the way up the line of a bunch of, you know, belief systems that were carried down through my ancestry and lineage about how difficult, you know, life has to be, Eastern European struggle, strife, 
um, because those were factors in it as well. So it's like looking at what's not working. If something isn't working, um, then what is the belief? What is the energy behind that that's keeping it from being easy? Because really ask and receive, which I believe is a fundamental law of the universe, um, ask and receive works. But if you're not conscious about your ask, um, and you're functioning from these like core false beliefs there, they become the ask. And of course, you're going to get more trauma, drama problems. And if you're not willing to receive, which again, could be because of your core false beliefs, like I don't deserve to have this or everything has to be hard for me, then that's what you're going to create. So get using these tools to clear the ask and the receive ends of it. If, if you do that, then everything really does come to you with ease, joy, and glory. You know, I talk about in my book, I give a, just a tiny little example of this. I needed books, uh, or I needed boxes for books. I was moving offices, and I had a bunch of books that I needed, the special kind, you know, the smaller boxes, but thick and supportive. And I was like, I really don't want to buy a bunch of boxes to use one day and then have to, you know, throw them away. So I asked, universe, what would it take for some free boxes to show up, right? <laughs> Literally, two hours later, I'm driving home from work, and I make a wrong turn down the wrong street and halfway down the block, neatly like folded down and tied up in a bundle were these perfectly sized boxes just sitting on the sidewalk waiting to be recycled. Someone had just, and this isn't a fancy part of town. And so they're really good boxes and they were clean. And I was like, great. And I just put them, they were literally wrapped up in everything. I put them in my car and off I went. What if it was that easy? What if we could create instantaneously just like that if we get out of our own way there are so many stories just like that yes. where people ask and expect and it shows up I used to be in a travel job where I'd travel 26 weeks out of the year and some of the guys I would travel with every time they would get bumped to first class every time drove me nuts but they just expected it and they walked up to the counter and would flirt or whatever. You know how that goes. First class, almost every time we flew, if there was an empty seat in first class. I'm like, yeah. But you you set the intention. You go in thinking it's done. And there it shows up. That's a very powerful question. What would it take? Very short, very powerful, right? Yes. yes. And, I have, and I used to be, I, that's another one. I, I used to have... Traveling when I was a kid was always like intense and stressful. I mean, I just have pictures of myself in the old days when suitcases still had hardcovers and they didn't have wheels. And my parents would make me sit or jump on the suitcase while they're trying to close it. And then we'd be running late because we can't get the suitcase. Closed. It was always like this drama. And I lost my favorite stuffed animal because we left her on the plane. And there was all this drama around <laughs> travel. So as an adult, what did I end up creating? drama, 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 missing a connection just as they close the door, um, like running through the airport, falling down and injuring myself because I'm running so late. I mean, it was ridiculous, like problems with losing my luggage or all these things because of those early life experiences planted a belief that travel has to be intense and, and, and drama and not easy. And then as soon as I use my tools to clear that, I I don't even understand somehow like I sail through custom. Somehow I managed to be the first person. I wasn't even in first class, but I'm the first person who got my bag and managed to get through customs. And now I'm waiting for the Uber while the other people are still in the line trying to get through customs. Like, I don't know how that happens, but everything is so easeful. And 
Um, and then there happen to be no people sitting next to me. Okay, great. Like I have more space. Like it's magical now. Um, once I clear the belief around <laughs> travel drama. Yeah, it's crazy how this stuff works. It's just amazing to me. Yeah. So if someone has never experienced energy work, how do you explain that to, to your clients who've never experienced it before? Yeah, I mean, mostly, mostly they do. If they're coming to see me, they know where they're in for. But I mean, I might just start with <laughs> a simple thing, like, like rub your hands together, right? After you rub your hands together for a while, right, you can feel the energy between your hands if you pull them apart. And you can feel, you can feel where they're still, ooh, here, they're kind of like magnetically pulled to each other. And if I go further out, you know, eventually I, I kind of lose that, but I can still feel it even going way far out here. So I might start with something like that, like give them an example or a somatic, okay, you know, you what do you notice in your body right now? Like I notice there's a tightness in my throat. Well, there's an, that's an energy, right? That sensation of the tightness in your throat, you know, I might say, what is it? If it, if it had a color, what would it be? If it had a shape, what would it be? That's speaking to the energy of that sensation. Um, I might talk about, you know, like your high school physics class or something, you know, waves. I might talk about how energy is a, it can be a waveform, like light. Light is a frequency of energy, right? It's a, it's a wave. Um, uh, Wi-Fi is a, is a wave. Sound is a sound wave, you know? So I might explain it in those kinds of ways so they can understand. What's your favorite modality? Or do you have one? Oh, that's a tough one because I think, <laughs> I think I have a lot of modalities that I favor. Um, you know, I've been doing VSET free fast for over 20 years. I wrote my dissertation on it. It's it's very simple. It's using a cue to re- release these kinds of energies. So I'll often use that and I'll often use the access consciousness clearing statement. I like access because it's hands-on energy work and it's verbal facilitation. So it's very comprehensive and holistic. Um, and I like that, you know, its creators are pretty irreverent and that kind of fits my <laughs> um uh, counterculture sort of perspective uh, uh, and questioning the establishment, you know, that kind of stuff, questioning the traditional ways we've been doing things. Um, I like that spirit, that re- more rebellious spirit, looking outside the box. Um, and I find that they they do that a lot in access. But I mean, I, re- I love all the different things that I use. Tapping is really valuable for getting someone out of a panicky, like anxious fight flight response. If I find myself like that, I might do tapping. Um, and I love learning new things. So I don't know that I could ever pick just like I could never pick a single favorite color. I don't think I could pick a single favorite modality, but I definitely use those two a lot. Are all of your clients like face-to-face in-person clients? No, I work with a lot of people remotely and certainly during the pandemic, that number went up. Um, but I definitely work with people over Zoom. I still have some phone clients. Um, we can do these, uh, not all of them. Some of the techniques really do need to be in person for, obviously I can't do energy work on someone's body. I mean, I can from a distance, but it's not going to be quite the same as if I'm literally laying my hands on their body and there's, you know, the energy coming from my body. I can run energy through my body. Um, that can be more powerful in some, some ways, but we certainly can, we know prayer to distance works. We certainly can do energy work remotely. And I do a lot of that in my remote sessions with folks. When you work 
with clients, how do you figure out, how do you decide, should I use energy work with this client now? And what modality should I use? Is, is that just an intuitive thing? Yeah. Or, okay. It's intuitive, but I can muscle test. And I also, of course, have to consider what is the client open to, right? So some people will come to me very specifically, like I, I specifically am choosing to work with you because you do this modality and I want to I want to work with this modality. So that sort of dictates it to me. Um, and even with that, I'll ask them if I especially if I get a strong intuitive hit, like like brain spotting, for example, you know, is great for working with a variety of things, including trauma. I might get the sense that brain spotting could be really helpful here. Are you open to trying something different? And if they are then I go with that intuitive hit. Um, if not, I could muscle test or uh, in access, we do a version of muscle testing called light and heavy. Like I call it more like the internal muscle test. Uh, whatever's true or is a yes, is going to feel light and expansive. Whatever's not true or, or false will, will feel heavy and contracted. So I might check in with myself, you know, can this person, is this person receptive to working with this modality, light or heavy? is now the time to use this modality, which one would, I often ask which tool will will create the most change here, which tool would be most effective for this. And, and I might go through that inquiry and follow the energy around whatever I get for the modality that could be most helpful. I think there are, there are exceptions, but I think most healers have multiple modalities in their toolbox. And I think we all, a lot of us go about it just that way. We use our intuition. We might do internal muscle testing or light and heavy testing, however you want to, to to call that, to see what's in the best interest of the client, right? And yes, we. it is common for some people to find us through a modality and want to stick with that modality, but over time, they're open to other things, yes. right? But you mentioned muscle testing. For listeners who don't have a clue what that is, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, Manual muscle testing came from uh, kinesiology, the study of muscles, applied kinesiology. So I believe it was in the about the 40s, right around 1948 or so. And I can't remember who now um, is the person that sort of, you know, started realizing that the body has, the muscles of the body have these... um, responses so they respond to stimuli so you can for example if you're using someone's arm you can push down on their arm you can have them resist as you push down on their arm and you can test different statements and see how the body responds when you push down on that arm and so chiropractors really took to this i think that's kind of where it started is because they were working with people, you know, with their spinal adjustments and then looking at, okay, so if I, you know, hold this vertebrae and muscle test, what response do I get? So I kind of explained it a little bit like a lie detector, how the kind of the lie detector test works, right? So when you, when they have those probes on people and they're giving them different statements and they're looking at, you know, what squiggles on the paper, the squiggles on the paper are the muscle contractions, so the muscle will contract in the presence of a false statement. Like if you if you push down on my arm right now and have me say my name and I say my name is Adriana and I'm trying to resist you pushing down, I'll be able to do it. 
But if I say my name is Mary Jane and you push down on my arm, it will involuntarily contract. And I don't really have control over that. This is an automatic response, kind of like your, your knee reflex, right? So when someone is getting a lie detector test, you're asking, you're saying a statement and their muscles are going to contract when they're, when they're not telling the truth, right? That's why you, they teach FBI and cops, you know, like how to read people's faces to look for those little muscle twitches, right? So manual muscle testing is a way of, of seeing if that energy of that statement is true or not. Or you could easily use it for, um, they'll test people for uh, substance, like, like if you're allergic to something, or if your body wants a certain supplement, right? If you ever go to a chiropractor, they'll have you like hold a bottle of supplements and then they'll muscle test you. And it's basically testing your body's response to the energy of this substance. Yes, this is something my body wants. Oh, this is something my body doesn't like. So let's not take these. That's First time I, no, 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 that's a good answer. First time I ever was exposed to muscle testing was a Dr. Wayne Dyer mm-hmm. PBS special. Yes. And um, it was a very long special and I, I loved it. I don't remember the name of it right now, but he had someone on stage and um, he tested a banana and he tested a, it was a very, I'll say not nice languaged CD music, right? Um, and I had never seen that before. You know, the guy, he held it up next to his heart and the arm dropped and they put the banana there and the arm wouldn't drop. It was yeah. very interesting to see that. I have a lot of clients who do use that um, that technique in grocery stores even to see yeah. what what food my body or at a restaurant yes. you know what food will my body tolerate right now and what do i need to stay away from absolutely yes i do that too um there's a sway test that you know sometimes when you're self muscle testing there are a million different ways to do it you could do the o-ring you could do the sway test your body will sway towards something it likes it will move away from something it doesn't there are a million and one different ways to do muscle testing because any muscle in the body and a chiropractor, a kinesiologist, they might test your leg. They might test, you know, your shoulder muscles. Like there's, there's any number of different ways to do it. Um, and there have been studies. There have been a couple of uh, studies that have validated um, because, you know, people will say, well, you're pushing harder or something like that. They've, they've used like a machine to do the pressing that's standardized and they still find that they get, you know, results, accurate results with muscle testing. So yes, it's, um, it's really fascinating. It's just another way to get information though. You could also just go with your intuition. You know, you could go with that light heavy. I mean, there's it, to me, all of these tools about are about getting awareness, getting awareness of what is the issue? Where's it coming from? What's creating it and how can we change it? So to me, they're just, um, they're all training wheels on a bike that's getting us towards, you know, more consciousness. <laughs> so if your client is not, or your patient is not in the room with you, how do you do, I do muscle testing like this. <laughs> okay. People do a, a lot of, you do that. I do a, at the clamp. I learned this from Don Elium, a, a, a energy psychologist or energy therapist here in the Bay area. Who's working a lot with be set free fast back in the day. And I love it because the claw, he called it, it's so like people don't even have to see you're doing it. I could be like with the client in the room doing that and they would have no idea. I used to do this one a lot where you push 
one finger down. I use my middle finger to push down on my index finger, but because I have wrist issues, that became not good for my body. So I learned the claw. And then uh, and then I do use light and heavy quite a bit. So um, essentially, I'm um, accessing the person's energy field. I'm asking, it's like a surrogate. I'm asking for you. Um, if I don't have you physically in my presence to push down on your arm. When I work with clients, because I, I take weird notes, nobody would ever know what they mean, but they help me, right? They just, it's like free writing. It just, it just comes out. Um, but I write with my right hand, which is my dominant hand, but sometimes I'll just keep a finger up. And if I'm in the wrong track, my finger will fall down, mm-hmm. you know, that way there's really no muscles involved. And I, I can, I have so many clients who come to me, oh, I can do only this one kind of muscle testing. If you can do one, you can do them all. Yeah. If you probably just haven't practiced them, you had the belief that you couldn't, right? We're going back yeah. to beliefs again. If yeah. you can do one kind of muscle testing, whether it's with your hands, with somebody else's arm, some people use tools like pendulums or yeah. one, one guy Absolutely. uses a bullet, you know, tied on a tied on a string. I think that's hilarious. Um, but whatever, you know, but if you can do one kind of muscle testing, you have the ability to do it all because it's, it's any tools are just visual response, visual examples of what you already know. The yes. Intuition is such a big thing, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's so important in the work that, that we do as energy workers, right? So if you had one piece of advice to give somebody who is in the space of an entrepreneur, okay, opening a business, getting ready to open a business, thinking about opening a business, with regard to energy work, what would your piece of advice maybe be to them? Yeah, I think I would probably come at it from a coaching angle. Um, Like get real clear on what your targets are. I like to call them targets because the target's always moving or a goal, a goal post is fixed, right? But Mm -hmm. a target's a moving target so we can change it if it's not working. So what are your targets? Be specific about it. And then uh, what's getting in the way of that? What's getting in the way of your target? Is it a fear? And and if it's a fear, what are you afraid of? And then pretty quickly, I would want to distill it down to, okay, what is at the root of that fear, right? So I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of success. Where's that coming from? Well, because I believe that I'm not enough. We'll be right back at those core false beliefs. And I think that's the work that entrepreneurs need to be doing is getting clarity around what are, what are their own limiting beliefs and then shifting those so that whatever they're creating with their business isn't functioning from this limited belief. And so then infinite possibilities become available and the actualization of those targets becomes much easier. The infinite possibilities, that's part of your tagline, isn't it? Isn't yes. that part of your major focus? Creating a life of infinite possibilities is the tagline, yes, to my business. So um, I fully believe that that is possible. It's not even believing, it's knowing. It's a deep knowing for me at this point. So if it's not showing up for me or for someone else, I know it's because of some sort of limiting beliefs. Some sort of energy is blocking that from coming to fruition. So let's figure out what that is so that we can change it. Cool. So is there anything else that you'd like to throw out into the universe before we close this out? Um, I'm a big advocate, too, of working collaboratively with people. Um, I do a lot of work on my own, and I can only get so far with myself, right? I have my own blind spots. 
There are things that I cannot, um, there have been things that I haven't been able to change on my own. So I really advocate for working with others, whether it's your friends and colleagues or having an accountability partner, you know, that you work with or having a coach or a therapist, but having someone else who's got different perspectives and who might be able to see the things that you can't see is I think invaluable in any endeavor, whether you're dealing with like depression, anxiety, some mental health thing, or if you're trying to create a business or a, or a healthy relationship or get fit physically, whatever it is, um, ask for help and be willing to receive it because you actually, you're usually going to be a lot more successful if you have like a team of people supporting you, especially if they know more about it than you do. <laughs> the whole being, seeing in others what, not being able to see in yourself when you can see so much in others is a big deal. It really is. We have so many blind spots. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that. So as a reminder. Yes. What if you're not as effed up as you think you are? <laughs> Dr. Adriana Popescu. Yes, you can find it on Amazon. It's also at Recovery Bookstore. And I have a landing page for it, too, if you want to find out more. Um, the landing page is whatifyourenot.com. Cool. So everybody run right there. Yes. Um, it's a really cool book. Or you can maybe even if it's clear enough. There's a QR code there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if not, you've got the web web address and it will also be listed below. Um, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the Focus Practical Dreamers Journey podcast. Because yes. I'm, I'm so big on focus. That's why it had to be in the title. Because if you don't focus on what you want. How are you going to get it? Well, you know what you want, right? You can dream till you're blue in the face, but like, how are you going to bring your dreams to reality? You know, creating a life of infinite possibilities is about bringing your dreams to fruition. You got to have some focus and direction and some practical tools to get there. Exactly. I'm all about awareness, focus, and action. Those three steps. And there you go. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thanks again, Dr. Adriana. And this is Jean Border, your host, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Focused Practical Dreamers Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Remember to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey.